This is Connor Fields, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You kidding me? By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, wrap, oh, scores! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What is up, Pro Lacrosse fans? We are back. I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, Adam Moore, an LPG's contributor and resident Canadian, Jackson Rokosi. How are we doing today, boys? Uh, it's a bit of a dark day up here in the uh, greater Toronto area with the uh, Maple Leafs loss, but I'm ready to put that behind me and uh, go full steam into the PLL season. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys. And yeah, feeling good. We send our condolences on the Leafs drop of a game seven against their arrivals in the Canadians. I'm very sorry, but the good thing is Jackson, we have some pro lacrosse coming this Friday that could hopefully clear your mind of any hockey woes that you're suffering. How about you, Adam? How, how are you balancing the new baby as well as getting prepared for this PLL season? I'm, I'm, I'm living it and loving it, man. It, it's been great. Uh, I'm, I'm sleepless, but, but super happy. And, you know, not, not just getting ready for the, the PLL season, but, just got done watching a fantastic national championship game. Congrats to the Wahoos of UVA uh, for pulling that one out. Always love as a, the resident goalie seeing a game-winning save to, to bring a championship to Virginia. So congrats to them. Sorry to all my Maryland Terps fans out there. But what a great way to go right into the PLL season with that end and national championship. Yeah, I didn't have a dog in the fight, but what a game. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better game back and forth. I think, again, it proves the value of the face-off, the fact that Maryland was able to come back down five with, I don't even know, less than eight minutes left, I believe, um, and to give themselves a chance, too. And so kudos for them for the rally, but UVA came out on top. I mean, Schellenberger could probably go pro tomorrow if he really wanted to. That dude is unreal. Yeah. Um, but a lot of talent that we're excited to see come up the ranks and eventually make it to the pros. Uh, we'll have to wait a little bit on some of them. But some guys like Doc Aiken and Jared Connors had some great showings, and they're going to be making their name, uh, you know, this this training camp hopefully pretty soon in, uh, in the PLL. So we have a lot to look forward to. Um, guys, I am excited for this PLL season. We have live lacrosse, live professional lacrosse Friday night starting out with the Redwoods and the Cannons. We're going to get into our game previews a little bit. But to start, I, I mean, I've been watching a lot of this training camp content that's been coming out. A lot of old faces in new places. So I want to ask you guys, any players in particular that you're really excited to debut on their new team, whether that's an MLL guy coming over, former PLL guy that's on a new team, or even a rookie that's going to make their uh, pro debut? Um, I think a big one, you mentioned we're getting the training camp content, and this is kind of reinforcing it. You're seeing a lot of buzz around the Archers and Graham Hossick. I'm, I'm really excited to see him uh, play defense for the Archers. I think he's a physical dynamo. Like, he's he's dominant in the NLL. So a, a lot of people are familiar with that league, have seen him kind of really, really thrive with the uh, with the Halifax team. But I, I really want to see him, especially on uh, Rambo or Zed and those two physical guys down low and just see how he matches up with them because that, that was clearly why they – they coveted so highly in the entry draft. So I, I think I'm really looking forward to that. So that, that would be the one at the top of my list is uh, Hossack on the uh, Archers. Yeah, and a guy for me, you know, the, the Water Dogs completely revamped their, uh, a majority of their defense, including in the net, right? So I, I've been wanting Dylan Ward 
to, to see the field for over a year now. He finally has a starting spot with the dogs. I can't wait to see him light it up um, and, and stone some of these fantastic offensive players now that he's in cage for the dogs. Yeah, no, I, those are two great names. I know Hasek's making his return to field after a little hiatus. Don't worry, we're going to see in net as a starter for the first time in over a year now, um, which is just crazy to think about. And then, you know, I like what you mentioned too with the War Dogs defense. It's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, two of my top polls other than Hasek were both Liam Burns and Ben Randall, and they both ended up on the War Dogs. And then they traded for Eli Gobrecht as well. So that whole defense could look completely new um, in front of, of course, Dylan Ward and Cage. So definitely excited about those teams. Personally, you know, obviously I think Lyle Thompson's at everyone's list. He's the obvious one. Um, I'm also a big Rob Pinnell fan. So seeing him on the Redwoods, is going to be cool, but there's two guys that I think are flying under the radar. Uh, one of them, I actually got the pleasure of talking to a little bit about his career and Brent Adams going to the Atlas. I, I think he's ready for a fresh start. I think, you know, with the direction of the Redwoods offense was going, um, he kind of understood why he was unprotected and then, you know, kind of took it for a little bit of a whirlwind with the cannons trade, but is excited to be on this Atlas team. I think he, he found his spot. And I think he's going to have a, another great season. Um, obviously had a, a decent showing in the bubble last year, but was playing out of his position a little bit at attack. So he's a guy I'm excited about. And then Randy Stotts was really one that, you know, me and Adam are, are obviously pretty high on. I know you are too as well, Jackson, but um, he's a guy that, you know, it's just flying under the radar for some reason. I think maybe, you know, the Chrome are kind of that kind of group where you, when you think of the Chrome, you just think of them as a unit. You don't necessarily think of the big stars, um, even though they have plenty of big stars. And, you know, he's reunited with a lot of his Rattler teammates. And I just think he's going to light it up, um, you know, especially playing with Jordan Wolf and Justin Gutterding. That offense is going to be unbelievable. Um, but we'll get to the Chrome a little bit later. Let's first start off with our team previews. And Jackson, you had the pleasure of talking to each one of these coaches. Um, so we'll go in alphabetical order and start with the Archers. But what have you seen from the Archers this offseason and talking with Coach Bates um, that gives you an excitement about this team? Well, obviously, it starts with the the offensive end, right? I think they they have so much talent on the offensive end, and they're so well constructed too. Like, I, I feel like their fit is perfect for from their attack to uh, to how Schreiber kind of plays off uh, Ament and everything. And really talking to Coach Bates, that the first thing that he really kind of showed some excitement about was Fields coming in and how how excited he was to have him and the, the kind of element, the tertiary creation that he got from him and how he's going to be matched up against maybe a, a weaker defender than he would have been when he played with the chaos. So I, I think that's the, the the first thing everybody's going to be curious to see. And then, yeah, like Jeffrey and Hasek, I mentioned him off the top, but I, I think that that really gives them a lift on defense and, and something they can uh, kind of hang their hats on as well. Um, the big question still is the faceoff game. Like that hurt them in the playoffs. It hurt them a little bit in, in the uh, championship series as a whole, but uh they got Connor Gaffney out of Lehigh, so they're they're at least going to have have a different look there. So I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see them, but yeah, I love watching this offense, and I'm I'm excited to see what they do this year. Yeah, who do you pull on that offense? It's just going to be it's, insane. It's crazy. Like you said Connor might be getting a, Connor Fields might be getting a shorty, and he looked pretty good in Archer Orange from what we've seen from training camp so far. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, like like you said, Jackson, what goes on at the Fair Off X. You know, in our uh, college draft previews, uh, Greg. Um, the Beast loved Connor Gaffney uh, this year and, and had so many great things to say when we did those uh, college draft pre uh, previews. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if he's able to, to win that job uh, and, and what they do at the X going forward. 
Yeah, no, and they still have Stephen Kelly and Noah Rack competing for that exactly. uh, spot as well. We'll definitely you know, be interested to see. Um, I think Gaffney is going to benefit too from – he's a knee-down guy, which yep. he didn't get to do this year with Lehigh. So I think he'll, he'll benefit from being able to kind of go back to his normal style in the, the PLL. Moving on to the Atlas, they're arguably, you know, the youngest team. Well, they are the youngest team in the PLL, um, and they have a lot of new faces. Um, one of them we're still waiting to, to hear about is Jeff Teat, but – uh, still, a lot of guys to kind of be excited about. Dan Maccaro, Jake Carraway. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you heard from Coach Rubio when talking with him, Jackson, and kind of what excites you about this Atlas team. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he really was happy with how that draft went with all those picks he had. It, it seemed like he, he was able to collect the guys he wanted. Obviously, like he, he was thrilled about Jeff T. So that, that news obviously sucks. And I, I do think that this team was built with Teat in mind too. So mm-hmm. I think they lose a bit of that offensive creation with him not being a part of the team, but yeah, yeah. Coach Rubio, he he's pretty excited about what the team can do. Like he, he's going to lean a lot on the leadership. He was really emphasizing Eric law, Trevor Baptiste, Tucker Durkin, and we, we all expect big things out of those guys. So yeah, like we, we know their defense is going to be good. I expect Baptiste to stay near the top of the league. He was a little bit below that last year, but I, I think he's still one of the top draw guys. So I, I, I think they got something good together. Obviously, they're not going to be able to reach their ceiling without T, but this team is not like a, a typical rebuilding team. They're ready to compete in a lot of ways. They have a lot of talent across the board and brought in a lot of new guys who can do a lot for them. No, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, they have some pro caliber rookies like Jake Carraway, but it will be interested to, to see just how they adjust to the pro game because we saw Grant Amit kind of come in and excel. Same with Brian Costabile, but some others have kind of struggled. So, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how that um, that transition to the pro game is made by some of these rookies on this Atlas team. Yeah, and he also brought in uh, uh, some some non-rookies, like your guy, Mark Cockerton, right, Hutton? Mm-hmm. So uh, they have some veteran leadership that they not only already had on the squad, but brought in as well, adding guys like Dan Bucaro, who had, who had a fantastic uh, uh, MLL bubble last year. I think they're they're in a good position to, to um, surprise some people this year. You know, and I love that you mentioned Cockerton, because with that absence on the lefty side in Teat, you still have Cockerton there, which I think is important. And he statistically had his best seasons when Coach Rubier was his assistant with the Cannons. So I love to see them back reunited. I think Cockerton's going to have a big year. Another guy that's flying way under the radar. I don't even think I've seen a picture of him in uh, his Atlas uniform yet. So really excited to kind of see him on the field. And hopefully we do get Jeff Teat back. You know, he's on the unavailable to travel list right now. That doesn't mean he won't make his pro debut this summer. Um, it just means we we'll pr- might have to wait a couple of weeks before we see that. But, um, you know, once he steps in, I'm sure he'll make an immediate impact on this team. And we mentioned the Cannons a little bit in that conversation. Uh, so let's move on to them with Coach Quirk, who is taking over a new Cannons team after leading them in the MLL to a championship. Um, you know, obviously – the addition of Lyle Thompson is really exciting for us, but they have a lot of new faces, obviously on this team, as well as some old cannons that are coming over from the MLL. So talk to us a little bit about what coach Quirk talked to you about Jackson in terms of this cannons team. Yeah. So I, I think he, he really emphasized that the culture building first things first. So I think that started with um, the former cannons guys that he just won a championship with. Right. So he, he really wanted to have a foundation of those guys. It seemed like obviously taking Zach Goodrich early, getting uh, Nick Morocco, his goalie from the, uh, from the championship team. And then like, even if you look to the, to the entry draft, it was all about like infrastructure leadership, kind of veteran presence. So getting a guy like Brody in the first pick, who's, who's going to just 
instantly like the defense takes on his image, right? He gets Connor uh, Bucek in the, with the second pick, who's, who's a coach. He mentioned how much he liked that he was a coach um, or that he is a coach rather at Cornell and how that leadership kind of bleeds into the team. And then obviously Lyle Thompson, like that was probably the biggest no brainer in lacrosse draft history, right? Mm-hmm. Just taking him with the first overall pick. So uh, yeah, like they, they, they kind of established that former cannons infrastructure with, a lot of leadership around it, but they do have a ton of talent as well that they brought in. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he, he's excited to put the team together. They have a ton of questions. Like I, I mentioned in my preview, the attack, like it's going to be interesting to see how he goes for. Is it going to be guys who have chemistry with Lyle, like Hugh, who's played with him, like Shane Jackson, or there's Bryce Wasserman, a, a lot of different ways it could go, but it, it seems like they're all good options as well. So that'll be interesting and see how they build up the rest of the roster as well. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I'm really excited to see. I know he, he was uh, a pickup off the waiver wires, but you mentioned a guy like Shane Jackson, right? He blew it up with the Atlanta Blaze two years ago. Didn't have the biggest uh, kind of turnout in the bubble with the, the Philly Barrage last year, but I'm really excited to see what he can do and what a guy like Andrew Pugh can do uh, with that chemistry they already have uh, with Lyle. So really excited and kind of high on those two guys. Yeah, no, and Shane Jackson told us his excitement about just seeing some of these guys. You know, obviously Lyle, he plays with on the Swarm, but he told me he didn't even hadn't even seen a lot of his Swarm teammates after that last Swarm game uh, before the NLL layover. So um, I'm sure he's excited, you know, just to be playing with those guys um, and seeing, you know, some of his uh, t- Swarm teammates, even if they're on opposing sidelines this year. But, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I like the Cannons. You know, again, they have so much talent at a lot of different positions that it's hard to, you know, kind of look – gloss over them but my my one issue for them is face-offs you know are we going to get the tommy kelly of 2019 or even his mll days are we going to get the 2020 tommy kelly you know who really struggled at the stripe um that's something you know i I could see being an issue and they got simino as well who tends to do well in a two face-off system so i'm thinking maybe if they have both of them it will benefit him but these roster sizes don't do them any favors i think that's the biggest issue right now is these roster sizes are so tight and they have so many talented guys that are all kind of competing for similar positions. Uh, it's going to be tough for Coach Cork to kind of pick a roster each week. So um, not super high on the cannons, but when you have Lyle Thompson, you're always going to have a chance. So we'll see how they, they turn out this opening Friday night. I just want to say that was one of the big takeaways is the roster sizes make, makes it so tough on the coaches. Like it, it, it's so hard to dress two face-off guys or even the D midi spot is going to suffer a little bit. I think we're going to see a lot of guys at D midi maybe that you think as established PLL guys, maybe not even crack a roster just because, coaches are leaning so much more heavily on, on versatility as opposed to guys who do more one thing. So I, I just wanted to sorry get that in there. No. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's like one of my biggest takeaways when reading your previews, you know, you're submitting these 19 man rosters. And I was like, I can't believe like this person's going to end up on the reserves, but it's that tight of a, a roster. Like we ended up going with pretty much uh, obviously two backup goalies, only one face-off guy when a lot of these, mm-hmm. you know, teams could use a committee um, and, it, you know, I think generally it was six to seven middies, you know, five poles um, and five attackmen. I think, you know, you might see some teams that have to like, you know, decide to just go with four attackmen. Um, and unless that guy who's maybe on the bubble can run out of the box, he's going to have a tough time cracking that roster just because, you know, you need those short stick defensive middies to kind of be able to go out there. You need at least one or two or a versatile guy um, that can go both ways. But yeah, that, I think that's a great takeaway because it was very tough. Um, and chaos, I think, are a prime example of how tough it was to kind of predict the roster. Um, but what, what have you seen from 
this chaos team and when talking with Andy Towers, that kind of excites you about them. Obviously, you're a Canadian yourself, so the Canadian influences are strong on the chaos. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like first things first with the roster thing. I, I had a tough time going through the roster, even knowing that Dixon and Rogers wouldn't wouldn't be on their initial roster, and I still couldn't find 19. I was staring at that lineup for hours. But yeah, um, first things first. Talking to Coach Towers, that guy's the, the ultimate players coach, right? Like I came away thinking that every single player is the absolute best at their position because he he really loves his guys clearly, and he likes talking them up. So I think he he installs like one heck of a culture with the chaos, but. Um, yeah, like th- this roster obviously is sick. He he's trying to s- set up guys that are going to be in the best position to get connected. He he got so many guys who could fit in the offense from Canada. So like he, I I feel like there's going to be some surprises with this roster. Maybe a couple guys end up playing bigger roles that aren't necessarily the biggest names. Like Coach Towers mentioned a guy like Chase Frazier, for example, right? So mm-hmm. he's got that Bandits connection. He's also part of the uh, part of the McKay. Uh, Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, Chris Cloutier house. So there, there's that, there's that relationship as well. But yeah, so I, I think he's just going to use this camp to find, find chemistry with those guys and, and put them together. But everyone they brought in does fit. So it's going to be interesting to see just how far they lean into that box style as well. He obviously loves Blaze Reardon. He really likes the, the um, re-edition of Johnny Surtick, who's back after he was on the uh, mm-hmm. military exemption list. That's basically like getting a starting pull right away. So between him, Rowlett, Newman, and then all, all those guys on the offense, I think they're really interesting. And then Mac O'Keefe, based on the training camp content that we're getting from the PLL, I'm pretty excited to see how he fits as well. And he's got, he's got a box history as well as an American guy. So he's kind of like the chaos embodied as well. He kind of has both sides of that. So looking forward to watching him too. Yeah, and you know everyone knows Mac for for just his absolute rips at, at Penn State. But with that content, like you were mentioning, man, he is uh, not just a one trick pony. He he can do it all. So I'm really excited to see him as well. Yeah, no, and it's interesting too with this chaos offense how it's not very necessarily like defined roles as attacker minis, but more lefties righties. So you know you're gonna see. A lot of different looks, I think. You could see Josh Byrne, Mac O'Keefe on the left side. You see Cloutier and Josh Byrne on the left side. You could see, you know, like you said, Frazier on the right side. Uh, maybe you have Westberg as a crease presence or on the right side. So it's going to be interesting. Like, there's going to be so many combinations, I think, with these lines. Um, and it'll be, I think Westberg's going to really fit in well, too, in this team because they, Miles Thompson is not, uh, is also on the unavailable to travel list, and he was kind of their crease presence last year. So I think, you know, that's where Westberg can kind of, you know, step in. I mean, Westberg can kind of do it all, but um, I, I think you'll see him kind of, you know, take a larger role in that offense than maybe he did necessarily in the Water Dogs or even prior in the, in the Redwoods. So it, I think he's a guy to, that's really exciting to look out for. And I think we forget how good he was when he was at Denver um, and just how yeah. much he can do um, on this offense. He's just, he can go all over the place. So he's one of the guys I'm really excited to see definitely on, on this new chaos team. Moving on to the Chrome, um, they're a team that I just – I don't see any holes. Like, they have depth at every position. Um, but tell us what you've talked to, you know, coach, talking to Coach Tim Sudan, what you've kind of got grasped from them, where they're going to go into this direction, and, uh, you know, what kind of excites you about this Men of Chrome team? He, right off the bat, was excited about the guys he got on defense in the college draft. So he, he got Giles Harris with the third pick, and, like, uh, that was kind of like the first swing pick of the draft, right? We know it was mm-hmm. Keith Sowers, number one, so he – he, he basically had his pick of the rest of the guys to, to do with what he wanted. He clearly loved Giles Harris and, and went for that. And then we had the famous 
chuckle that he did getting Tarafenko. Like we, mm. we probably all thought he could have been a first round guy and he's, he's such a dynamic player at the, uh, at the D mid spot. So um, th- those are two right away guys that are going to impact this team and be able to uh, really kind of bolster that defense. And then we talked about stats, Wolf and Gutterding. That's a really sneaky, really, really talented attack. Um, they're, they're in an interesting spot because like you said, there isn't really an obvious hole. There's a few teams that you can go through and not really be able to identify a spot, but I, I don't know if they're top end across the board is right at the point of maybe a red ones, redwoods or a whip snakes, but mm-hmm. I, they definitely do have the guys that, that could pull through with especially Stotts, Wolf and Gutterday. So, uh, they're, they're an interesting spot. I, I put them like kind of right smack dab in the middle of the league right now, but I, I wouldn't be stunned if they break through either. Yeah, I agree. They kind of tended to, they looked like they were going to break through and they, they did essentially last year. They had a great regular season, you know, those four games in the bubble, only losing a close one, I believe um, to the archers. Um, So, you know, that was kind of like their one tough loss and then the chaos kind of just surprised them in that opening round. But I really am high on the Chrome. Um, Again, I think it's going to come down to goalie is going to be a a question. You know, are they going to ride with Galloway? I think they are going to ride with him and let Scannoni kind of wait in the wings. Um, but you know, he's shown some struggles a little bit in the past two seasons. He's an all world goalie, obviously. So he's shown that he can play at the highest level, but, um, you know, I think the defense is going to live or die by him. And if he's really on his game, I mean, this defense is going to kind of, you know, be a force to be reckoned with, especially with the presence of Giles Harris and some talented D middies and Tarafanko and Haas. But, you know, if he struggles a little bit, do they go to Scannoni and does Scannoni give him that spark? Um, or are they going to be kind of going back and forth between Scannoni and Galloway all season? I think that's where you could really see them struggle. And that's where they kind of ran into issues in season one, you know, with Queener and Galloway kind of going back and forth a few games. So um, that's where I think, you know, there could be issues because I love this offense. I love this midfield, you know, led by Ned Crotty. And I, I love the defense, especially the new addition. So um, again, I think really their, their worst enemy right now is the fact that there's only 19 men they can start. Um, you know, in a opening day roster. And that's where I think they'll have to make some tough decisions. You know, a guy that I really like is CJ Costfield that they added um, off the waiver wire. And he might be an odd man out just because of the presence of some of these other polls. So uh, I think he's definitely good enough to play, but uh, coach Sudan's going to have some tough decisions to make come roster decision time. Yeah. And, you know, for, for our betting fans out there, obviously listen to the bet on the cross podcast, but speaking of the Chrome, I mean, when, when it comes to MVP odds, uh, Randy Stotts is plus 10,000 right now. I, I, I'm as high on Randy Stotts as anyone uh, probably in, in uh, professional lacrosse. I think he's uh, one of the best players and is not still getting not uh, talked about enough. He wouldn't be a, a bad uh, bet to throw a couple bucks on for, for MVP, if it's, in my opinion. And that is a great tease because we touch on that subject a little bit on the bet on lacrosse podcast that comes out every Wednesday. So plugging that a little bit in, check that podcast out with Dan and Doug. They're doing some great stuff, um, bringing some really high level betting expertise into the lacrosse space. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that show when it comes out every Wednesday debuting tomorrow, actually. So very exciting there. Um, let's move on to the Redwoods. Another you know interesting case study because I think they're a lot like the Chromen where they have depth at every position. But um, you know it, it's going to be interesting how they put it all together and manage a lot of these personalities. But in talking with Coach Nat St. Laurent, what were some of your takeaways, Jackson? Yeah, so so uh, 
what Coach St. Laurent was really stressing was that, like, he felt like they were ready to win last year. He felt like their roster that they had intact was a good position. So that's why you didn't see, other than the Pinnell move, you didn't see too many splashy moves or, or them really trying to reconstruct their roster. I think that's what that was a big thing. And, and, and St. Laurent does, he seems like he does really like the locker room. He likes the chemistry. He thinks they got something good there. And he seems like a pretty adept manager of personalities, too. So I think if there was someone who you'd want at the forefront, it, he, he would be at the top. But yeah, the moves they did make were so specific and just covered such an obvious hole on the team that that I, I think they're gonna really they're really gonna be dangerous this year. So they got um, Rob Pinnell to get uh, a steadier presence behind the net, and like uh, like Coach Saint Laurent said, he fits so well with Kavanaugh and Garnsey because they're both lefties. He's a righty. He's more of a creator. They're they're finisher types. Um, they get the return of Henenberg, which is humongous. He he was a young star in the league in 2019. So. Uh, mm. So getting him back, it's as big of an addition as there is out there. And then uh, they got TD. They got like a, a great face-off man from the NCAA and then Charlie Leonard as well to compete with him. So they got two new options at the face-off X in a spot that really, really hurt them last year. So they they kind of systematically just picked each hole that they might have and they filled it and they're, they're looking to have a big season. He also really liked that. Bertrand followed him. We didn't see Bertrand do as much yesterday, but he, he was a really, really important piece for that Virginia team going forward. So getting him at the 24th pick looked like a steal and we'll, we'll see how it develops in the PLL. But yeah, so that that's a big one as well. But yeah, we, they're one of the rosters that you can just look at and not really find a spot where they're going to have any obvious problems. So yeah, the Redwoods are a great team and St. Laurent's pretty, pretty excited about them. Yeah, the, the only place I could see a problem potentially is just from Nat's side of uh, things, a problem with picking who he's going to have his backup goalie and his starting goalie to be, right? Jack Kelly just came back. We saw an awesome video of them connecting uh, at, at training camp. Uh, I, I hit home all the time that I think Jack Kelly is one of the best goalies in the world, and uh, it's going to be tough for for Coach St. Laurent to, to pick uh, his two keepers. Obviously, he's he, he's rode uh, Jimmy Trotner the last two years, but he picked up Ryan Phipps as well, right? Who's one of the best uh, goalies in the MLL for years. So I'm really interested to see. Uh, that's one of the biggest training camp battles uh, that I'm intrigued uh, to see how it pans out. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see who they end up going with. You can make a case for any three of those guys, and then you still have to make a decision on who your backup is as well. Um, so that's the storyline we're definitely following closely. Um, and I, I agree a lot with what you guys said with the, the Redwoods. They're, they're an exciting team to watch. It's going to be, you know, interesting to watch who they end up going with this 19 man roster. I know Jackson, you mentioned in your preview too, they have, you know, pretty, pretty much four capable short stick defensive minis that they're going to have to make a decision on. I, I doubt they'll have three on their opening day roster. It'll probably only be two. And I think the lock is probably Jack near, and then it comes down to whether you're going with Isaiah Davis Allen or Pat Harbison. Um, Harbison had a great year last year. IDA has been a stud in the MLL, um, you know, for several years now. So it's going to be tough kind of when it comes down to. And then Nick Osello too, as well, is, is another guy that, you know, has done well when he needed to. Um, again, I think it's going to be tough for him to crack a roster, unfortunately. But that means maybe a little bit more time for him to, to hit the Twitter first a little bit. I think it's going to be tough for him to crack a roster, just given all this depth at every position that they have. Moving on to the Water Dogs. This is a team that we're all really excited to talk about because of all their offseason moves that they have made. But Jackson, in talking with Coach Copeland, what were some of your takeaways from this new Water Dogs team? Yeah, like, first things first, they, they were very competitive in all their games, right? Even with a lot of things working against them, like Coach Copeland and I talked about how tough it is 
being an expansion team in the first place, but then the fact that it, it's such a condensed season that they don't have those times to kind of like step back and figure out what worked with it and who they were. It was all so fast paced that they kind of just had to do everything on the fly. So that's, that's another disadvantage. And the fact that Zach Curry got hurt on the, the first play, right? The first pick mm-hmm. in the entry draft. And he, he clearly wasn't right till a little bit later in the tournament. So, um, so yeah, but but they they had they had a heck of an off season. I think like we we've talked about it. People across the the PLO world have talked about how they have had probably the best off season of any, any team, or at least the most impactful off season. Obviously, the teams at the top don't need to do quite as much, but uh, Coach Copeland was thrilled. He 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 said a few times like he thinks they're going to make a pretty big jump. He thinks that the guys they got are exactly what they got or exactly what they needed. Rather, like starting with the trades, getting Ward, getting. Uh, go Brecht and getting um, Ryan Brown. I think two things with those trades. Number one is they fit such an obvious need for the, for the water dogs. Right. So we, we know that they weren't able to finish a lot of their good plays. They got Ryan Brown who does it as well as anybody. Uh, they had a little bit of trouble in the one-on-one matchups on defense. And then they got Eli Gobrecht, who's a great one-on-one defender, plus the guys you mentioned off the top and Burns and Randall. And then, and then their their goalie play was just a little bit inconsistent, and and he liked Cipriano and uh, DeLuca, but he he still thought they needed a bump. And Ward is former All World goalie, so so we know what he does. And and the fact that those guys were valued less just based on the circumstances of the teams that they were on kind of made it even make more sense, right? Just mm-hmm. he was able to get them at, at better value than than maybe they would have others otherwise for players of that, that caliber. So I think that's really good. And then obviously they got Michael Sowers, who a lot of people think is the best player in the draft. So um, I, I think they got so many impact guys. They filled so many needs. And yeah, Coach Copeland was absolutely thrilled with what they did. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to obviously see guys like Michael Sowers, but, but that revamped defense. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Zach Carrier. I, I think we... we we're given a disservice last year by not seeing him at his full capacity um, after that concussion. So lacrosse fans and PLL fans who maybe just started watching last season in year two, uh, you're going to see a different Zach Courier coming into year three. I'm really, really excited to see what he can do for that offense. Yeah, no, and I think that team did a good job of also getting that versatility at the midfield because you can trust Zach Courier, you know, on defense if you need to. And I think that's you, you need at least one, if not two of those guys in this league to kind of, you know, make your 19-man rosters like work. Um, and that's where, you know, some of these teams don't have those necessarily players. I think that's where Chrome getting Tarafenko was big. You know, the guy can be a back-off face-off guy. He can play short stick defensive midi. He can also push in transition. So I think that is a, a key is having those type of guys that are versatile and two-way guys. Um, and you mentioned Ryan Brown, again, another player that I'm just super amped to see in a new uniform. They got him for an 11th round pick in this college draft. If you would have asked any college coach, I think, or if you would have asked any PLL coach if they would have taken Ryan Brown at number 11, if he was still available, they would definitely say yes. So I think that's another you know testament to what Coach Copeland has been able to accomplish with these trades, like you mentioned, Jackson, is getting these high-valued players for you know, below their market value, just given the circumstances, you know, same thing with Dylan Ward, um, you know, he gave up a little bit to get him, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, getting an all world goalie that some could make a case for being the best goal in the world. I know Adam likes to do, um, you know, I, it's a steal, no matter what you give up for him. So um, yeah, definitely looking forward to this new water dogs team and, and what they roll out in week one. And that brings us to the main event, the final defending champs, the whip snakes who definitely did not get any worse 
and you can argue they got a lot better too. So let's talk about them. Talk to Coach Staggs, Jackson. What what has he said that about this Whip Snakes team that gives you um, you know potential that they might go three peat this year? Yeah, so I, I think the first thing you have to look at is look at the other teams and how they acted. And it's just so clear that their moves were all kind of with the whip snakes in mind. So it's mm-hmm. getting face-off guys that can match Nardella. It's getting physical pulls that can match their their two attackmen. So they just it, it seems like every time a team makes a move, it's thinking, well, does this help us with the whip snakes with the whip snakes? So that's just such a testament to them and their success in the league. But yeah. Coach Stagnita, he didn't seem too worried about uh, the team going into the season. Like the big thing was uh the retirements he, he said kind of altered how they attacked the offseason because he didn't expect a couple of them off the top. But I, I think Ty Warner was a big one. Obviously, they, they mm-hmm. had to scramble a little bit to fill the hole at the midi. And then otherwise, they basically just loaded up on the offense with Chris Eslady. They got uh, Connor Kirst, the, the big righty out of uh, Rutgers. Um, and then uh, as well, Ryan Tierney. So it, they, they, they got a few pieces that will just kind of help take the load off Williams and Rambo. So I, I think that's really exciting for them, but they, they still have that core. Um, Coach Staney just said like their strength is up the middle. It starts with um, burn Lauren, the back end. And then like, you got, you got those poles and then Nardella Rambo. It's kind of like if you in baseball, when you have like the uh, catcher, pitcher, shortstop center fielder, if you got those positions right up the middle strong, then the rest of the team kind of flows from there. They have that, they have that core up the middle with their draw guy, with their goalie, with, Earhart with Dunn, so I and then Rambo obviously at the back end. So I, I think they still maintain what made them such a good team, and then filled in across the margin. So I still still think the road to the championship goes through the Whip Snakes, and probably the best team going into the season in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I love that uh, you know analogy of up the middle, and you know they're the only team that's opening as two and a half point favorites, where every other um, line is just one and a half. So uh, you know that kind of is a testament to their gravitas heading into the season as well. What about your thoughts, Adam, on this Whip Snakes team? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're loaded everywhere. And, like, it, with every pick in the entry draft, I remember talking just to, like, wait, now they have Chris Aslanian. Now they got, say, hey, Charlie Hayes. Now they – wait, how the heck did Brian Cole fall to them? I know he's on uh, the unable to travel list, but yeah. can you imagine adding a guy like Brian Cole midseason if he's able to, like the addition – uh, that they're going to be able to bring in with a guy like him. Um, he, he's one of my favorite players, and I'm so excited to see him uh, finally hit the field with the whips. But just with every pickup, it's like, how the heck did the league let them get these guys? So um, that's just because they're so stacked in so many places. They can fill um, with best player available so many times. Yeah, and on the waivers, they got uh, Matt Abbott, and, and then they got Frank Brown. And then they also added uh, Alex Spring, too. Like, all those guys are, are pretty good. I think they also got Jasinski, too, who, you know, he's going to probably have a tough time cracking a roster, but, you know, played well with the Denver Outlaws in his, uh, you know, short pro career so far, um, and he can rip as well. Um, and a guy that can go kind of both ways, too. So, you know, even their depth adds that maybe won't see an active roster too much, like if they need to be called up, like they're probably going to perform. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think their depth is just – phenomenal as well after losing a lot of players to retirement and and drafty ryan tierney is looking ridiculous in all the pll hype videos for training camp so i mean just set, add another name to that list of, of fantastic ads from the offseason 
Yeah, and he adds a little unpredictability to this offense too because they're so systematic in how they run things um, that you know he he lives by his creativity and fluidity on the field. That it's going to be interesting when you're trying to prepare for the Whip Snake system and they roll out Tierney, who does something that you're just not expecting. So um, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing him make his pro, pro debut as well. Um, that wraps up our team previews. Again, every team up and down you know their rosters is going to be loaded this year. Um, it's going to be a, a great battle to watch these teams go up against it and we're going to get into our matchups a little bit but first we'll take a break hear a word from our sponsor and then we'll go into our game picks today's episode is sponsored by Ducan supply co Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military inspired products from their signature big ass bar of soap to their bourbon infused beard oil i personally use their big bourbon beard oil that's made with a hint of buffalo trace I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducanon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. All right, so welcome back. Now let's preview these matchups. We are getting Friday night lacrosse for the first time between the Redwoods and the Cannons this Friday night. So we'll start off with you, Adam. Give me your pick for who you think is going to win and where are some storylines that you're looking forward to going into this first matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to go with the Redwoods. As Jackson said, they're one of the most well-balanced teams in the league. They, they, they produced for years one and two. And I think uh, they, they're just the better roster with uh, in a number of ways going in uh, to, to game one. But big storyline. Chris Hogan back at Gillette, right? If Chris is able to make uh, that roster, this will be uh, his first game in pro lacrosse and first game back uh, since leaving the Patriots. So what, what better storyline than that? Yeah, how about you, Jackson? What are your thoughts on this opening day matchup? Yeah, just I, I haven't seen the Cannons in action yet, but I, I just have a hard time seeing them beating the Redwoods in their first game while they're still figuring them, themselves out. The Redwoods are a team that really knows who they are as well. So I, I think they have the leg up there. I, I caught the line at minus one and a half, so I, I'd like the Redwoods to cover there. But excited to see a new color palette with the Cannons and everything, just a, an influx of uh, just newness to the PLL. So that's pretty exciting. And just seeing what that roster looks like with the Red, or with the Cannons, excuse me. You know, I agree. I'm going Redwoods in this one as well. Um, you know, I, I just think there's a little too many, you know, questions about what the cannons roll out. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a competitive game as we've seen in the PLL. There's rarely any blowouts. You know, a lot of these games are going to be competitive. So, um, you know, I'm going to take the Redwoods straight up. You know, I, are they going to cover the one and a half? Well, we'll have to see. Um, I think they still probably will. Uh, but that's what the Bet on Lacrosse podcast is for too. So, you guys, you got to make sure you tune into that on Wednesdays because uh, we're giving you all the analysis on what we think in our picks and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I like the Redwoods in this too. So I, I, I agree with all two of you that it's just, I think a little bit of a, too much of a tough battle for the cans to overcome this Friday night. Then on Saturday, we get the championship game from last year rematch in the whips versus the chaos. Uh, Adam, who do you like in this game? Yeah, as much as uh, I love that chaos roster, as years one and two have shown, speaking of betting, it's tough to bet against uh, this whip squad. I take whips in week one. Yeah, uh, I, I'm really excited to see the Adler versus Nardella. I know they train together a little bit, so I, I can't imagine guys who train together, it's going to be that lopsided of a matchup. I, I picture that kind of splitting right down the middle, especially with such two talented guys. Um 
but I, I I'm gonna kind of go with my roots here. I, I like the chaos in this one. I think they'll be able to throw something a little bit different at the uh, at the rest of the PLL. So I think there might be a, a bit of a unique matchup thing going on there, especially with uh, the Whips figuring out their D middies a little bit to start the season. So um, so I'll, I'll take the chaos, but I will not be upset if or will not be shocked rather if the Whips next pull this one out. All right. Yeah. I like the little split there. I'm going to, you know, break the tie and I'm going to go whips. Um, I do like, you know, I, I'm excited to see what the chaos roll out, um, especially the presence of Johnny Serta coming back to kind of how he helps this defense, um, you know, perform. Cause they, they were not doing too well last season, even, you know, though blaze was playing out of his mind, they did not do him any favors. So that's why I like the whips in this game. Um, just because their high powered offense, I think is going to be too much for the chaos to handle, but chaos did beat them three quarters of the championship um, and just couldn't get it done in that fourth quarter. So it's going to be a good matchup, I think. And again, another close game. Um, and later that night, we have the Archers taking on the Atlas. So you have a lot of, you know, veteran presence on the Archers versus, you know, the young guns in the Atlas. Uh, where do you like that game going, Adam? It's going to be a running gun uh, game, definitely. I'm really excited to see this one. I think with the additions uh, on the defensive side of the ball for the Archers, I think uh, that veteran leadership, uh, that has played together for, for a while now with those veteran additions, pull this one out in week one. Yeah, I think it follows the same kind of storyline as the Redwoods can. It's, it's one team that's really established and really has an identity versus a team that's kind of figured themselves out. So especially early in the season, I, I like to give the, the archers the leg up there. And, and I just think they're, they're more talented at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go archers as well. I, I think the interesting battle to watch those, who they roll out you know, on the stripe against Trevor Baptiste, and I think that's where it could really sway this game, you know, in the Atlas's favor if they do get a huge performance out of Baptiste. Um, but if the Archers are able to, you know, batten down the hatches on defense, they obviously have two talented goaltenders um, that we're assuming will be Gittleman and Adams. But even if it's a Washuda that is somehow, you know, making this roster as well, um, he's no slouch either. But yeah, I, I like the Archers in this game. Um, I think it's going to take the Atlas just a little bit, of, a couple of weeks to get going. And I think the Archers are kind of ready to, to roll from the gates. Um, and then moving on to Sunday, Water Dogs versus Cans. Cans have their second game of the weekend. Water Dogs are going to be fresh. Um, again, this team, you know, both these teams are looking to find chemistry pretty quickly heading into this season. But w- where do you like this game going, Adam? Yeah, I think you're going to find it's going to be a theme for me this year. The Dogs are going to have their day. Cannons will probably be a little bit tired after uh, only a day layoff. I'm going to take the Dogs in this one. It's their revenge tour. Yeah, I feel bad fading the cannons twice in a row, but I, I got to take the water dogs as well. I just think they have, have the edge matchup wise. You mentioned that they're the rest factor. And I, I think first game with the, with the new lacrosse, they're going to be excited to kind of prove themselves and establish their spot in the, uh, in the, in the league this year. So I like the water dogs as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going dogs as well. Um, I just think, you know, what they've been able to accomplish in this off season and put it together. I think um, the cans is probably the best test for them uh, right out the gate in terms of, allow them to gel and maybe not give them as much trouble as some of the other teams might have if they, they were opening up their, their season with another team, you know, like a whip snakes mm-hmm. or whatever. So yeah, I like the dogs in this one as well. And then our final matchup is between the Chrome and the Redwoods Redwoods coming off their second game of this weekend as well. Adam, where do you like this game going? Yeah, I know last year was Chrome improvement. I think this year uh, is going to be a big one for the Chrome as well. I think Randy stats, while I said, isn't getting talked about enough. After week one, I think we'll hear his name a little bit more. I'm taking Chrome. Yeah, that's a fascinating matchup. Just uh, the Chrome's attack versus Redwoods poles, right? Just it's two really, really strong units there. But I, I like the Chrome as well. I think that the first game juice is going to be a thing for a lot of these teams. The Redwoods are already had one with the uh, the Cans game Friday night. So I, I like the Chrome to take this one as well. 
Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, we're going to under, we can't underestimate the the short rest a lot of these weekends. It's going to be tough for teams to really, um, you know, you know, only spend a day recovering and then go back out there. You know, again, a lot of the teams did it last year, but you had every team kind of doing that. Now, you know, you're going to have a lot of weekends where a team is coming fresh, playing a team that may, you know, be coming off their second, going into their second game of the weekend. So I like the Chrome in this one as well. Um, you know, I, again, I just like their makeup. They're one of the teams that I, I just really like, you know, the direction they're going in and coach Sudan, the direction he's taking it. So um, I'm going Chrome as well. So pretty, pretty uh, close in all our picks. You know, we differed a little bit, I think on that whips chaos one. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be a phenomenal weekend of lacrosse. And I'm really looking forward to seeing these teams um, finally take the field with their new looks. And uh, I think it's, we're in for a real treat guys um, for sure. But if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Um, check out Jackson's previews too on all these teams that are now out. Um, you, you know, we're really excited uh, to kind of, you know, see all these teams now finally take the field after, you know, months of speculating, you know, what they were going to do and now seeing the rosters come together, but definitely check out Jackson's previews and all the thoughts from the coaches um, and check out the bet on the cross podcast coming out tomorrow as well with Dan and Doug. Um, and it's going to be debuting tomorrow and coming out every Wednesday. So if you're getting into betting on the PLL this summer, that's the podcast you want to check out. You can still stick it here with us. We're going to be having interviews with players and coaches every week. So every Tuesday we'll be debuting a new episode. We'll be recapping the previous weekend, have an interview with a coach or player and preview the upcoming matchup. So definitely, you know, touch base and check in with us. I want to thank you guys all for listening and let's have a fun filled PLL summer. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducan, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent.